Chapter Three of Salambo by Gustave Flaubert. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Caroline. Chapter Three, Salambo. The moon was rising just above the waves, and on the town, which was still wrapped in darkness, there glittered white and luminous specks the pole of a chariot a dangling rag of linen the corner of a wall or a golden necklace on the bosom of a god the glass balls on the roofs of the temples beamed like great diamonds here and there but ill-defined ruins piles of black earth and gardens formed deeper masses in the gloom and below malka fishermen's nets stretched from one house to another like gigantic bats spreading their wings the grinding of the hydraulic wheels which conveyed water to the highest stories of the palaces was no longer heard and the camels lying ostrich fashion on their stomachs rested peacefully in the middle of the terraces the porters were asleep in the streets on the thresholds of the houses the shadows of the colossuses stretched across the deserted squares occasionally in the distance the smoke of a still-burning sacrifice would escape through the bronze tiling and the heavy breeze would waft the odours of aromatics blended with the scent of the sea and the exhalation from the sun-heated walls the motionless waves shone around carthage for the moon was spreading her light at once upon the mountain-circled gulf and upon the lake of tunis where flamingos formed long rose-coloured lines amid the banks of sand while further on beneath the catacombs the great salt lagoon shimmered like a piece of silver the blue vault of heaven sank on the horizon in one direction into the dustiness of the plains and in the other into the mists of the sea and on the summit of the acropolis the pyramidical cypress trees fringing the temple of eskmoun swayed murmuring like the regular waves that beat slowly along the mole beneath the ramparts salambo ascended to the terrace of her palace supported by a female slave who carried an iron dish filled with live coals in the middle of the terrace there was a small ivory bed covered with lynx skins and cushions made with the feathers of the parrot a fatidical animal consecrated to the gods and at the four corners rose four long perfuming pans filled with nard incense cinnamonum and myrrh the slave lit the perfumes salambo looked at the polar star she slowly saluted the four points of heaven and knelt down on the ground in an azure dust which was strewn with golden stars in imitation of the firmament then with both elbows against her sides 
her forearms straight and her hands open she threw back her head beneath the rays of the moon and said o rabetna balet tanith and her voice was lengthened in a plaintive fashion as if calling to some one anaitis astate derseto astoreth mulitza athara elissa tiratha by the hidden symbols by the resounding sistra by the furrows of the earth by the eternal silence and by the eternal fruitfulness mistress of the gloomy sea and of the azure shores o queen of the watery world all hail she swayed her whole body twice or thrice and then cast herself face downwards in the dust with both arms outstretched but the slave nimbly raised her for according to the rites some one must catch the suppliant at the moment of his prostration this told him that the gods accepted him and salambo's nurse never failed in this pious duty some merchants from daritian gaetulia had brought her to carthage when quite young and after her enfranchisement she would not forsake her old masters as was shown by her right ear which was pierced with a large hole a petticoat of many-coloured stripes fitted closely on her hips and fell to her ankles where two tin rings clashed together her somewhat flat face was yellow like her tunic silver bodkins of great length formed a sun behind her head she wore a coral button on the nostril and she stood beside the bed more erect than a hermes and with her eyelids cast down salambo walked to the edge of the terrace her eyes swept the horizon for an instant and then were lowered upon the sleeping town while the sigh that she heaved swelled her bosom and gave an undulating movement to the whole length of the long white simar which hung without clasp or girdle about her her curved and painted sandals were hidden beneath a heap of emeralds and a net of purple thread was filled with her disordered hair but she raised her head to gaze upon the moon and murmured mingling her speech with fragments of hymns how lightly turnest thou supported by the impalpable ether it brightens about thee and tis the stir of thine agitation that distributes the winds and fruitful dews according as thou dost wax and wane the eyes of cats and spots of panthers lengthen or grow short wives shriek thy name in the pangs of childbirth thou makest the shells to swell the wine to bubble and the corpse to putrefy thou formest the pearls at the bottom of the sea and every gem o goddess ferments in the dark depths of thy moisture when thou appearest 
quietness is spread abroad upon the earth the flowers close the waves are soothed wearied man stretches his breast toward thee and the world with its oceans and mountains looks at itself in thy face as in a mirror thou art white gentle luminous immaculate helping purifying serene the crescent of the moon was then over the mountain of the hot springs in the hollow formed by its two summits on the other side of the gulf below in there was a little star and all around it a pale circle salambo went on but thou art a terrible mistress monsters terrifying phantoms and lying dreams come from thee thine eyes devour the stones of buildings and the apes are ever ill each time thou growest young again whither ghost thou why dost thou change thy forms continually now slender and curved thou glidest through space like a mastless galley and then amid the stars thou art like a shepherd keeping his flock shining and round thou dost graze the mountain-tops like the wheel of a chariot o tanith thou dost love me i have looked so much on thee but no thou sailest through thine azure and i i remain on the motionless earth Tanach, take your nebel and play softly on the silver string for my heart is sad the slave lifted a sort of harp of ebony wood taller than herself and triangular in shape like a delta she fixed the point in a crystal globe and with both hands began to play the sounds followed one another hurried and deep like the buzzing of bees and with increasing sonorousness floated away into the night with the complaining of the waves and the rustling of the great trees on the summit of the acropolis hush cried salambo what ails you mistress the blowing of the breeze the passing of a cloud everything disquiets you just now i don't know she said you are wearied with too long prayers o oh, tarnach i would fain be dissolved in them like a flower in wine perhaps it is the smoke of your perfumes no said salambo the spirit of the gods dwells in fragrant odours then the slave spoke to her of her father it was thought that he had gone towards the amber country behind the pillars of melkarth but if he does not return she said you must nevertheless since it was his will choose a husband among the sons of the ancients and then your grief will pass away in a man's arms why asked the young girl all those that she had seen had horrified her with their fellow-dear laughter and their coarse limbs 
sometimes tarnach from the depth of my being there exhale as it were hot fumes heavier than the vapours from a volcano voices call me a globe of fire rolls and mounts within my bosom it stifles me i am at the point of death and then something sweet flowing from my brow to my feet passes through my flesh it is a caress enfolding me and i feel myself crushed as if some god were stretched upon me oh would that i could lose myself in the mists of the night the waters of the fountains the sap of the trees that i could issue from my body and be but a breath or a ray and glide mount up to thee o mother she raised her arms to their full length arching her form which in its long garment was as pale and light as the moon then she fell back panting on the ivory couch but tarnach passed an amber necklace with dolphin's teeth about her neck to banish terrors and salambo said in an almost stifled voice go and bring me shahabarim her father had not wished her to enter the college of priestesses nor even be made at all acquainted with the popular tanith he was reserving her for some alliance that might serve his political ends so that salambo lived alone in the midst of the palace her mother was long since dead she had grown up with abstinences fastings and purifications always surrounded by grave and exquisite things her body saturated with perfumes and her soul filled with prayers she had never tasted wine nor eaten meat nor touched an unclean animal nor set her heels in the house of death she knew nothing of obscene images for as each god was manifested in different forms the same principle often received the witness of contradictory cults and salambo worshipped the goddess in her sidereal presentation an influence had descended upon the maiden from the moon when the planet passed diminishing away salambo grew weak she languished the whole day long and revived at evening during an eclipse she nearly died but rabetna in jealousy revenged herself for the virginity withdrawn from her sacrifices and she tormented salambo with possessions all the stronger for being vague which were spread through this belief and excited by it unceasingly was hamilcar's daughter disquieted about tanith she had learnt her adventures her travels and all her names which she would repeat without their having any distinct signification for her in order to penetrate into the depth of her dogma she wished to become acquainted in the most secret part of the temple with the old idol in the magnificent mantle whereon depended the destinies of carthage for the idea of a god did not stand out clearly from his representation and to hold 
or even see the image of one was to take away part of his virtue and in a measure to rule him but salammbo turned around she had recognized the sound of the golden bells which shahabarim wore at the hem of his garment he ascended the staircases then at the threshold of the terrace he stopped and folded his arms his sunken eyes shone like the lamps of a sepulchre his long thin body floated in its linen robe which was weighed by the bells the latter alternating with balls of emeralds at his heels he had feeble limbs an oblique skull and a pointed chin his skin seemed cold to the touch and his yellow face which was deeply furrowed with wrinkles was as if it contracted in a longing in an everlasting grief he was the high priest of tanith and it was he who had educated salammbo speak he said what will you i hoped you had almost promised me she stammered and was confused then suddenly why do you despise me what have i forgotten in the rites you are my master and you told me that no one was so accomplished in the things pertaining to the goddess as i but there are some of which you will not speak is it so o oh father shahabarim remembered hamilcar's orders and replied no i have nothing more to teach you a genius she resumed impels me to this love i have climbed the steps of eskmoun god of the planets and intelligences i have slept beneath the golden olive of melkarth patron of the turian colonies i have pushed open the doors of baal Kamun, the enlighter and fertilizer i have sacrificed to the subterranean kabiri to the gods of woods winds rivers and mountains but can you understand they are all too far away too high too insensible while she i feel her mingled in my life she fills my soul and i quiver with inward startings as though she were leaping in order to escape methinks i am about to hear her voice and see her face lightnings dazzle me and then i sink back again into the darkness shahabarim was silent she entreated him with suppliant looks at last he made a sign for the dismissal of the slave who was not of chananitish race taanach disappeared and shahabarim raising one arm in the air began before the gods darkness alone was and a breathing stirred dull and indistinct as the conscience of a man in a dream it contracted creating desire and cloud and from desire and cloud there issued primitive matter this was a water muddy black icy and deep it contained senseless monsters incoherent portions of the forms to be born which are painted on the walls of the sanctuaries 
then matter condensed it became an egg it burst one half formed the earth and the other the firmament sun moon winds and clouds appeared and at the crash of the thunder intelligent creatures awoke then eskmoun spread himself in the starry sphere carmon beamed in the sun melkarth thrust him with his arms behind gates the kabiri descended beneath the volcanoes and rabetna like a nurse bent over the world pouring out her light like milk and her night like a mantle and then she said he had related the secret of the origins to her to divert her from sublimer prospects but the maiden's desire kindled again in his last words and shahabarim half yielding resumed she inspires and governs the loves of men the loves of men repeated salambo dreamily she is the soul of carthage continued the priest and although she is everywhere diffused it is here that she dwells beneath the sacred veil o oh, father cried salambo i shall see her shall i not you will bring me to her i had long been hesitating i am devoured with curiosity to see her form pity help me let us go he repulsed her with a vehement gesture that was full of pride never do you not know that it means death the hermaphrodite baals are unveiled to us alone who are men in understanding and women in weakness your desire is sacrilege be satisfied with the knowledge that you possess she fell upon her knees placing two fingers against her ears in token of repentance and crushed by the priest's words and filled at once with anger against him with terror and humiliation she burst into sobs shahabarim remained erect and more insensible than the stones of the terrace he looked down upon her quivering at his feet and felt a kind of joy on seeing her suffer for his divinity whom he himself could not wholly embrace the birds were already singing a cold wind was blowing and little clouds were drifting in the paling sky suddenly he perceived on the horizon behind tunis what looked like slight mists trailing along the ground then these became a great curtain of dust extending perpendicularly and amid the whirlwinds of the thronging mass dromedaries heads lances and shields appeared it was the army of the barbarians advancing upon carthage End of chapter three